1: welcome back to another episode of Get Found, Get Funded. Today, we have two guests with us, Regina Gwen, co-founder and CEO of Tress Noir, and Kimberly Strong, co-founder of Strong Connection. Tress Noir is an on-location beauty services company for women of color. Tress Noir reduces the traditional hair salon weight to zero by sending a traveling textured hair expert to the client's house, hotel, or office. From convenient online scheduling for a variety of styles to customized recommendations on beauty regimens, Tress Noir beauty experts are committed to empowering women by making them look and feel fabulous. Today's theme How do I identify and approach corporate sponsorship? Our guest expert is Kimberly Strong, co-founder of Strong Connection, a human resources consulting boutique firm that specializes in advising startup tech and venture capital firms. Previously, she was Vice President of Diversity and Inclusion at Target and was responsible for developing strategies, initiating action, and driving organizational change in support of Target's diversity and inclusion priorities. Kimberly retired after working over 28 years with the company. Currently, Kimberly is a member of the Executive Leadership Council, otherwise known as ELC a national membership organization for black global executives while serving on the diversity advisory committee for Cedric LLP. Kimberly has served on the board of directors for the leadership council uh, Dallas Black Dance Theater and Dallas Theater Center. She received her BA in Business Administration from Howard University. Welcome to the show Kimberly and Regina.
2: Regina,
0: thank you. Thank you, Zena.
2: Thank you so much. Regina, this is Aurelia. Part of hey your, there, Aurelia. Hi. Part of your mission is to make, quote, the path to pretty, unquote, easy, particularly for women of color. Can you share with us a little more about your journey with Trust Noir and where the company stands now?
0: So, um, Tress Noir was essentially started out of necessity. Um, my co-founder and I have had natural hair for over 20 years and had seen this beautiful explosion of natural hair products and services and tools, but the actual styling experience had largely stayed the same. Um, so many women have the very similar experience of going to a hair salon on a Saturday morning at nine o'clock. Uh, you're so ready to get your, your hair done. You've had a long day, or long week at work. And you don't leave until 6 p.m. in the evening. And you've got so many different uh, you know, stylists and you know, busy clients where um, you just don't have the time uh, to, to spend in, in a hair salon. And so with so many different on-demand technologies like Uber and Handy and FreshDirect, we said, okay, well, if you can push a button and a car comes to you, why can't you push a button and a stylist comes to you? Uh, so from there, kind of figuring out that, what that model would look like, um, how do we refine the infrastructure where, in, in regards to the stylist recruitment and as well as uh, getting the word out to customers, uh, that's what we've continued to build on over the past three years. And uh, we're excited about, again, making that path to pretty easier. Our hair is not a burden. Our hair is not frustrating. It's not complex. Um, You just need the right tools and the right stylists with the right opportunity.
2: I love that. That's great. Tell us a little bit about how you vet and hire your stylists that work within your company.
0: Sure. So we work through um, a heavy word of mouth um, and lots of referrals from our current stylist team. Um, we work through Indeed to create uh, job postings to solicit uh, stylists that are the stylist candidates. Um, but where the magic really happens is definitely on the ones going through the recruiting process in terms of the behavioral interviews, um, and the technical interviews that we conduct. So we're, we have a series of questions that allow us to understand not only the stylist's expertise and experience, but also their comfort level and familiarity with healthy hair care uh, regimens. We're very, very focused on all of our stylists being uh, experts in natural hair care um, and really looking at the, the overall health inside and out. Uh, we actually have a few stylists that are also nutritionists. Uh, We have stylists that are trichologists, which focuses on uh, the scalp uh, treatments for hair or scalp treatments for for our clients. And then lastly, you do also have to conduct a technical interview, which, again, is making sure that you really can, to be honest, you have to slay hair, right? So um, we want to make sure that, you know, that from a technical perspective that they're able to um, create the types of styles that our clients are looking for
2: tell our listeners a little bit about some of the successes you've had to date i mean it came from this idea three years ago or a little more than three years ago and now you've made um been able to branch out into different areas and hire a number of stylists and you've got a platform going yeah tell tell our listeners about the company and the different milestones that you've reached
0: sure So um, we now started in the Philadelphia market and still service that area. We also have expanded to New York, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, and Dallas, Texas. So we're really excited about the the growth that we've had in those new markets uh, just in the past year. Uh, as well as have a good three or four markets on tap for this year, as well as uh, a couple of different new revenue streams, which we'll get into. Uh, Separately, we are also a part of Backstage Capital, um, which is amazing VC fund based out in L.A. Arlen Hamilton is um, one of the very few um, black women VCs uh, in the space. And having completed the Google for Entrepreneurs program back in 2016, we were able to connect with her there, and she made an investment. So um, we're really excited about um, how how that relationship has has evolved, um, and then lastly, we also have funding from CoVenture VC, which is another early stage fund here in New York, and um, that's allowed us to again grow our markets and expand our reach.
2: That's wonderful. So Regina, you have had some great successes, and. Looking at different revenue streams, you're branching out from just receiving money from investors, right? You've been looking at sponsorships and what that might look like to increase that for the company. But tell us about the sponsorships you've had so far, because part of that is really interesting in creating a new experience for your clients.
0: Sure just to make sure I heard you, you were talking about um, the sponsorships or the partners that we've had thus far and how we're thinking about expanding our um, events.
2: More I'm interested in what you've done to date with sponsors. Like you have gotten Hmm. products to take into the home with you and so forth. So if you could just talk a little bit about what has happened there. yeah.
0: Sure. So um, part of the... uh, partnerships that we've worked with in the past. Um, we've worked with uh, Shea Moisture and Madam C.J. Walker Beauty Culture um, and having some product sampling opportunities and special events hosted at private locations in New York. And we've also worked doing some uh, a back-to-school promotion with them, um, heavily kind of talking about their kids line, the new kids line that they featured, as well as the refresh line um, that was focused on protective styles and products that are supporting uh, those types of hair mm-hmm. hairstyles hair rather. Um, so those two partners have been really, really great um, pr- providing product, uh, providing uh, education uh, to our stylists, as well as, you know, kind of a lot of the collaborations that have been really helpful for us in learning how to work with corporate sponsors, how to, to work with pro- new product companies and getting the word out to our customers that are really, really interested uh, in those types of products.
3: Okay. So, Regina, corporate sponsorship dollars are a great way to catapult your business. And so, Kim, we know that you've engaged in the identification and vetting of sponsorships working with Target. So what advice would you give Regina and our listeners A on uh, what they might need to do uh, in order to identify corporate sponsors? And then when is the right time to actually approach a a corporate sponsor?
4: No, that's great. Um, um, Thanks for inviting me to be on this platform. Um, I think I'm going to give you quickly my top four things I need, what I look for, and I know a lot of people we've discussed in terms of sponsorship, is first, when you approach a company, um, you know, really make sure, do the homework and make sure that your uh, brand aligns uh, with the company that just takes out a lot of work right there because if they don't align then the meeting is not going to happen so just really approach to see if your platform uh, fits that brand because that's um, helpful and it can be as um, broad as an umbrella of women um, you know just different things but really just make sure that it aligns the next thing I would say is just have a compelling proposal so just being clear about your demographics and your platform so the company really understands um, what you're talking um, about and where they can um, add the most value and where you can add the most value uh, for them. So talking about your goals and the impact that you're going to have and sharing your story because I think those are compelling. And companies nowadays really want to hear stories because that's what they um, really can sell as a part of that sponsorship Um, Also, um, I would say the next one is, you know, it it sounds easy, but find the right person to approach in the company. Sometimes that's hard, but if you can just get to the exact person, that is a huge time saver of, you know, uh, getting your proposal to the right person. It's just finding out who that person is who has kind of that authority to make um, that uh, particular transaction happens. So really make sure you find that right person. And then four, this is my last one, is just always follow up. I'm very surprised that um, times I've been out um, and I'll tell someone, you know, give me a call, you know, let's talk or, you know, get with my admin, get with me, get with whoever. And people just don't follow up. I mean, it's a simple thing, but it's amazing how many people Don't do that. So I would say that's the last thing. Just really keep that relationship going because um, relationships really can um, really help in that sponsorship area.
1: Kimberly, this is Zena. You mentioned a compelling proposal. So one of the things that um, I know when I speak with different entrepreneurs who are approaching brands like Target and others, uh, what format do they prefer? Because I know some people will just send in a deck. Um, automatically, or they may send in just a, you know, white paper proposal. So in your mind, you know, what are the best types to in order to, you know, be able to share their story and make it I impactful?
4: It, no, that's a great question. I think what happens is it's um, get the quick bite in. I think people do prefer decks. I mean, that's what most people, it's quick, it's visual, it's helpful to really get in. I would say that does work. Um, better in most, in, in my experience, I'll just say, with well, my experience, a deck will work better than a, a long white paper. But I know there's different conservative companies that might prefer that uh, format better. But I think it's, uh, you know, that quick. And one of the things is being unique, because what I've found now is everyone wants to be different with how they sponsor things. They don't want the just the traditional ways of how people have sponsored in past years. They want peop- uh, companies. New companies who are just have some great fun idea or fun way to present their brand. So I would say, you know, um, a deck, a quick deck, because it is kind of be quick. Because usually you are only going to have thirty minutes with the person on the call or something. So you know, it's that old adage: of just get it in, be quick, and be gone. Because that people just want to hear it, and then and they'll keep it moving. But the follow up is key.
1: And what do you suggest uh, in terms of finding the right person to approach in a company? Um, who should that person go to?
4: I think what I've noticed um, in being in this business, a lot of times it depends on terms of what, look at your brand, What who you go to. If you go to a particular, if it's female, sometimes go to, I'd say start at the hit a diversity area because a lot of times they can go on different tangents of, female or if it's LGBTQ community, or whatever community, they have a way of getting in there. If you happen to know specific if it's a product or something that would really engage someone in marketing area, then if you have a contact in marketing, I would say uh, definitely go there. If it's a, a way to help improve on some philanthropic area, then go to the foundation. But I would say, you know, definitely... I think the best success is go to the head of diversity because they can they know who all the the players are who can make those sponsorship decisions.
3: And, and Kimberly, you also made a, another good point around uh, being unique, right? And uh, uh, using some creativity so that mm-hmm. people stand out. So, what questions should our entrepreneurs and business owners ask themselves as they start to prepare a proposal?
4: I think you know it's interesting if they go and I'm, and my experience is with more traditional. Um, type uh, sponsorship but what is really I've noticed has been the buzzword is really looking at their social media so looking at that what kind of questions are people asking of them where they would like to see the product presented or what they're looking for so I've noticed if um, that's been key you know really social media is a great uh, tool because that's when companies realize they can happen to an industry they've never or, you know, an audience they've never really uh, been presented to. So I would say, you know, ask those questions to see, and if your social media can help them engage better in the community. Everyone wants, I mean, there's a lot of companies that are very big who want to appear very small because they want that community feeling. And if you can provide that and listening to, um, you know, the questions and uh you know, this particular company, I think those are things you need to look at, how you can make a bigger company feel smaller and get pinpoint to an exact, um, you know, audience.
2: Kimberly, one of the things that you had mentioned uh, just a couple minutes ago was really making sure that the entrepreneur aligns their brand with uh, the message or the mission of the company to whom they're approaching for sponsorship. Um, Tell us a little bit more about how a company would figure out if their brand aligns Mm -hmm. and how it is that an entrepreneur might help uh, somebody from whom they're they're seeking a corporate sponsorship to bolster their recognition or their values. Tell us a little bit more about how you consider that kind of thing.
4: Great. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think what people don't realize, if you really go into someone, any corporation's website, and look through their philanthropic um, areas philanthropic um, gives and what they're doing. Also, you can see most people now or uh, corporations are putting up what their diversity and inclusion focuses are, and they will add what companies they currently have or organizations. But I think that helps you figure out uh, where they're, um, they're leaning toward, and maybe that's where the, you can start to use that in terms of uh, building out your Uh, proposal. It just really, because most companies are very transparent of what they are working on. So I think, you know, looking up the information on their uh, website, as well as looking up stories and where they've been or what they previously have funded, I think those are kind of um, good tools that a a corporation um, or startup can look at in terms of um, moving forward.
2: One of the things that I had heard in the past was to go and read the annual company report and just see what's happened in the last year, and then a lot of times i will also talk about plans for the future. Is that still a good place to look? Or
4: it's awesome. All of that information is just just power for you to really zero in. And people feel like corporations are honored that you actually looked at it. So that's half the time. I you know, there's been a couple of times where someone's approached me, and it's it's not on. Was was what we're looking at and then they're like okay i'll change it and it's like no we don't want people to change their business model to fit what we need be true to yourself and you will find there's so many companies out there that are doing what you're aligned with you don't need to change to get a particular corporation to sponsor you do you and that company will be there for you
1: Some of the advice I have also given to entrepreneurs uh, outside of the annual corporate report, I tell them to look at the press releases as well because you Mm -hmm. make announcements and you talk about new products and new initiatives. Is that is that another good place to go to? As to the um
4: absolutely, I think everything I put put the alert on, um, you know, in terms of looking at what's their next. Because I got to tell you. Nowadays people are changing very quickly. So it's not in terms they're not changing their total strategy, but there's little of those micro things in terms of the marketing piece um if there is a specific area within that company that could change um faster than the total broader um you know platform or what they're looking for, but I would say yes, definitely keep up with those kind of things because the um that part especially I'll say in retail Retail is changing so quickly, but still the overarching theme is will stay the same probably for at least three years, um, but within the marketing area, diversity, I think always definitely check in. That's a great point.
3: Yeah, and as retail changes and, uh, and other industries change, uh, large corporations are looking for small business partnerships. And so one question we have uh, as well is around the difference between a corporate sponsorship for an event or a conference versus a corporate sponsorship that's more of a long-term partnership agreement. Do you have any thoughts on that?
4: Sure. There's always going to be, and you're right, there's twofold. Um, definitely there's something if it's hip and now, and if it's in a particular uh, like demographic, well, I won't say different, geographic area, because if there's something that they're launching and that's in a particular area, they'll look to see who's, in that area and, you know, have them come participate. So I think that's the now, if there's something they're launching right in that particular, especially opening a new store in a a different area. So an example, I don't know if some of you remember when uh, Target opened a store in in, uh, Harlem, you know, it's just like, you know, they definitely reached out to those local businesses and communities in that area. So that's something you can definitely partner with. But then you're right, what the long-term strategy is looking at, um, then it really becomes a partnership. So then it's kind of like, what else can you do to help strengthen that partnership? Because I think long-term, companies are looking for a greater um, return on investment and how they can partner um, with that. And if that's what that company's ready for, I think be careful what you ask for. (laughs) But if that company's ready for that, they just need to know that there could be, um, that that is a... You know maybe a three-year most companies now are doing like a three-year deal in terms of that partnership but it is a partnership for three years um, I think long gone are the days of people thinking they're gonna get a, a sponsorship forever that's not gonna happen it's gonna be definitely I think the height three years is the, probably the longest on the long term
1: Kimberly I have a question um, and you know this came up with years ago and I used to work with Blog Blogalicious and I'm sure Regina is having the same issue um, as Black, as you know, Black is a blogging company um, that celebrates diversity um, online. And one of the things that they were struggling, and I'm wondering if this is the same issue with Regina, um, by them being small, they're a small organization, however, they have high engagement. Because I know sometimes corporations, they go in, they look at the numbers only, and they'll say, oh, she only has, you know, they only have 2,000 followers, you know, on on, uh, Instagram. However, the engagement is extremely high. Are companies starting to look, pay more attention to the engagement piece versus the numbers, the number of followers?
4: You know, that's interesting. Great question. I think... You know, it is twofold. I think if someone, if you know someone in there who understands that engagement component, it's definitely going to help you. But as in anything with a business, numbers are what they look at. So they're going to look at that. If there is a, a possibility of someone who understands the model of what that company is, and see that okay, because everybody likes to be the you know owner of the new thing, the next thing. So, yes, with engagement and they know eventually numbers will follow, um, yes, that can happen. But I have to say, in that case, it really is if you know the right person to get you into the meeting um, because it is hard because people will just look at flat numbers because that's that's usually the only statistics and, you know, information that they have.
1: So what you're saying is it really is about find, finding that champion and getting them into that meeting and advocating for you in order to, you know, drive that particular sponsorship.
4: Yeah, it really is. On that part, I would say yes. Yeah. Okay, great.
0: Good to know. Very good to know.
2: Um, Kimberly, one of the questions that I have heard about sponsorships in the past has been, what are the different things that a startup can ask for, right? I mean, I think Regina's done some really interesting things. She's brought product into the homes of clientele that they've had. Um, they've also done some really interesting events. Um, is there is there um, a limit to what you can ask for? And if you get really creative, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? How is that viewed? And, you know,
4: no, I think if you can definitely show creative, being different and new go for it because i think that's what um and again i'm going back to more traditional companies are looking for it to be innovative fun keep it new fresh so absolutely go for it they'll tell you if that's not gonna work especially if there's not dollars a lot of dollars associated with it so i think you know i think throw it out there and then and then as long as they always just make sure say hey you know This is all we can look at. These are our ideas. We can look at it. We can scale back, move forward. So I think always just making sure, uh, you know, they understand that, you know, they can do, really they do have control of what they can and cannot do. But I think definitely go with those creative ideas because everyone's looking to be new and different.
3: And Kimberly, you also reminded our listeners that, you know, be ready and be careful what you ask for, right? Because (laughs) <laughs> the sponsor might just say yeah we want it and we want it now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so what additional thoughts do you have on presenting the return on investment for a, a sponsorship again whether it's an event um you know supporting with a campaign or something longer term.
4: No you're right it, that is sometimes is the um interesting that be careful what you ask for because you could get it and the thing is just really um I think the biggest thing is just be Ready to recap and to have that full circle moment of understanding, okay, if we went out there, we did all of this for you, what was the return on investment? And actually kind of, or not kind of, come up with already in your proposal when I talked about having a great proposal, but in that proposal have a great feedback mechanism of understanding you know all of the you know social media impressions any impressions i mean that you might have in terms of local media and i know Zena can speak to that but all of those impressions and really being able to give that recap in a really great concise way to the team so they feel valued that their money was worth it in terms of media impressions actual attendance actual whatever um, they've agreed on in terms of what they want to gain, um, just really have a really a great report to give back.
1: Great. And I read a story somewhere this year, as a matter of fact, and I know a lot of people are coming off of um, South by Southwest soon. And um, a lot of brands are starting to back off of those large, extremely large conferences. And, you know, I love South by Southwest. Um, they're looking for smaller and more engagement so is is that the case that you're seeing that's out there that they're willing to sponsor those type of intimate events versus those large festivals
4: yeah and essentially you said i i kind of saw it was my first time i did south by southwest but i did notice that and i think everything and that's what i'm saying is kind of everything big is trying to go small to create those intimate um moments and yes i agree i think that is what people are looking for, and then counting on social media to expand the conversation in the presence.
1: So something that, like what, what Regina is doing with Tress Noir, that might be idea because it's, it's smaller, correct? Exactly. Okay.
2: Great. Great. Regina, um, do you want to add anything here or kind of say anything about any of these pieces, you, you certainly don't have to, and I know there's a lot of background noise where you are, but um, was there anything you wanted to add or ask about or kind of bring up?
4: Um, it
2: is so very loud. I just um,
0: would love to possibly follow up with Kimberly, uh, maybe after the podcast. Um, definitely I'm taking copious notes, particularly around um, the need for tracking tools and making sure that the, it's almost a, a product market fit uh, for the brand and the, the partner, so um, definitely I'm learning a ton um, about the sponsorship process, and I think that um, it's definitely been really, really helpful.
2: Okay. Are there any other so questions thank you, guys. you want to ask um, her that she would address on the air? Or not right, right now? <laughs>
0: So um, I think some of the questions have already been asked, particularly around uh, micro-influencers and the importance of engagement. Um, Also, the the idea around the the different types of events um, is also something, again, some some of the questions I was thinking have have already been asked. Thank you so much.
3: Okay. Okay, great. Um, So first, we want to thank Regina and Kimberly for joining us today. We really appreciate it, ladies. And and Kimberly, where can our listeners find you?
4: Uh, Yes. Now, they can find me at um, Kimberly at StrongConnection.com. I'm on LinkedIn um, under Kimberly Strong. And um, my website is StrongConnection.com.
3: And Regina, where can our listeners
0: find you? So you find Trust Noir on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Trust Noir is spelled T-R-E-S-S-E-N-O-I-R-E dot com, and you can also visit treznoir dot com to find our locations, our stylists, and to book an appointment. Great,
3: thank you. So today we learned that having sponsors is beneficial for almost any business entity, especially small business owners like Trey Noir. Uh, it provides a strategic differentiator to um, put you above your competition. We heard about Trade Noir, a business that delivers convenience and healthy hair care services to make the path to pretty easier. Today they service Philadelphia, New York, Washington, Los Angeles, Dallas, and hopefully soon they'll be coming to a town or city near you. Uh, They want to make sure that you know that hair is not a burden. And Kimberly Strong gave us several pieces of, of nuggets of wisdom. The first is do your homework and make sure you're platform aligns with the brand. The second was have a compelling proposal and be clear on your impact and the value that you can add. The third, Kimberly mentioned that find the right decision person to approach in the company. And number four, and most importantly, always follow up. The fifth thing thing she mentioned was be unique. Find fun ways to present your brand and then be ready to recap and provide that return on investment, looking at things like corporate social responsibility, impact reports, um, diversity and inclusion reports, in that feedback, feedback mechanism. So when you're ready to approach your corporate sponsorship and corporate sponsor, remember all the things that Kimberly Strong mentioned. We just want to thank our listeners for listening today. Please uh, go to getfoundgetfunded.com, download, download our newsletter, and we look forward to you joining us on a future episode.